that took us to Synod week before last, and uh, it was an uneventful Synod, quite honestly. It's the first time in a while we've had one uneventful. Most everything got put off till next year, so uh, in good Presbyterian form, that's the way we do it, okay? Uh, why do this year what you can do next year? But uh, there are, there's one or two things that I'll talk to the session about that they made decisions on, and we'll kind of go from there. But I, I will tell you about one thing <clears throat> that, that occurred um, last Monday. It was past Monday. We were on the way from Frostproof, Florida, to uh, where I'd done a wedding last weekend. I'd preached at my old church last Sunday. And uh, Monday morning, we were on the way to... Uh, Myrtle Beach for the day, for the week, and we were just gone past Daytona Speedway. If anybody knows down in that area, I know some some of you all do. We're going up I ninety five in the middle lane. We're going about seventy five miles an hour. My wife is driving as she did most of the driving in, in my little uh, Hyundai Elantra, and the right front tire blows out. And we start veering over to the right. Well, there's a, a, a tractor-trailer truck at our back door, okay? He blows the horn, and she's still going this way, trying to get it back over into the middle lane again. He ends up off the road. How he kept the trailer on this little strip of land uh, without going over the hill, and, and you know, could have been a lot of problems with that. But he, he did a, a, a wonderful job trying to keep it straight. It was trying to, after he got by us, and my wife is still like this, trying to keep it from going that way, two or three more cars just blow their horns like, you know, get out of our way, why are you trying to get over in the right lane, I'm here, so on and so on. Finally, one person flashed the lights, stayed back, and let us get off the road. Uh, and we were fortunate, we really were uh, uh, my devotional this morning was <clears throat> from a young lady that had a, a problem in an automobile. She and her uh, daughter were in the car, and they were at uh, at an intersection when a, a, a drunk driver came through, hit them head on, and pushed them back. Now, he wasn't going fast enough to, to have done any kind of physical damage to the mom or the, or the young lady. The, the mom was the one writing the story. But she said... She and her daughter had prayed just before they left that morning, as they usually do, for the Lord to keep them safe and to give them peace as they were going. And she said after the accident was over, and a lot of people were asking us, you know, are you okay? And she said, my daughter and I talked, and neither one of us were afraid. And we weren't in, in our little incident on, on Monday. We were not afraid either because we knew the, the peace of the Lord was with us, and we understood that. And uh, the fact that my wife is a, a great driver was just, and she doesn't even like driving my car, but she did a really, really good job. Um, but it, it was just one of those things to where you think about it afterward, and, and the farther away from it you go, you start getting these little evidences that God was with us the whole time. And I'm grateful for that. Um, I appreciate the fact that uh, that we were able to go on and, and get to the beach 
after a thousand dollars for new tires and new battery and the front end alignment, but we still got there in one piece, you know? I mean, that's the important part. And um, so it, it was, uh, I just wanted to kind of a little bit of a testimony there as to what the Lord can do for you. Uh, even when you're not really thinking about him at that particular moment, you know, he's there. He's guiding you. He's guarding you. And that might come in a little bit into the, uh, into the sermon this morning. But uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray before we get started, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Uh, almost feels like fall outside, but it's so nice. Uh, nice to know that you are the creator of all things and you have given us this day to be glad in it, to rejoice in it, but to serve you in it. And so let us do so this day. We, we ask you for your guidance and your blessings upon our uh, service to you this morning. May our worship be acceptable in your sight. And may the sermon that is now going to be given, may they be your words and not mine. So bless us to that end, we ask you. And again, thank you, Father, for just simply hearing us as we pray. Bless now these words that will come from you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have, we've got two verses in our uh, scripture reading this morning, but I actually want to add a third one to that. They're very short, one verse each. So if you'll just stand, this is going to be very, very quick. And I will read these for us. First is Proverbs 13, verse 20. Solomon writes, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The next one is Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The last one I want to give you is uh, Proverbs 17, verse 17. And it says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen, congregation. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. I'll give you another little quick thing here. Uh, this sermon was kind of hard for me to write. Uh, I mean, friendship. What about friendship? You know, what are what are and and this morning and this has only happened two other times in my entire time of, of sermonizing in one thing or another. Uh, I, I started thinking about this last night. I just wasn't satisfied with the way the sermon was going. And by the time we're said and done this morning, you might not either. But I, I kind of changed it up a little bit. And I'm not going to tell you where I changed it up or anything like that. But I, I did. I just went back this morning and I started looking at it again. And I thought, you know, I don't have enough Jesus in this. And, and so... I, I tried to kind of, of guide it that direction. Uh, y'all can tell me afterwards, did I, did I pass or did I fail? I'll understand if you say I failed. <clears throat> you know, in keeping with our study in Proverbs, I decided to use just a couple of short verses, actually three, the 17th and 18th chapters of Proverbs along with the 13th chapter as well. In all, from what I could find, there are roughly 46 places in the Bible that allude to friendship. That excludes the, the use of the term friend. That's a little bit different. There are approximately 650 uses 
of the term friend or friends throughout the scriptures. Would you say then that those words are kind of important in the scriptures? I think we'd have to say yes, they are. But isn't the name friend important to us as well today? I, I, I think it is. I think we all have varying degrees of friendships with, with people. I don't really like using myself or my past as examples to you all, but it's kind of like our Christian walk. Who's going to know your walk better than you? And so who's going to have better examples that I can uh, relate to at least or be able to, to give to you all than, than my own examples here? So I've, I've had friendships of all kinds in my life. I had one friend who's a very intense guy, but I don't really think that I would fit the category of good friends with him by his definition. His definition was one who would give their life for you or you would give for them. He was in the military or had been in the military for some time, and I think maybe his definition of, of a friend may have come from his military experience. Everyone else, though, was just considered to be an acquaintance, which I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big difference in my definition of what an acquaintance and what a true friend really is. But it wasn't for him. I don't know many people that would fit that category for him. And yet, what does John 15 verse 13 tell us? But greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Yet many a soldier, folks that we never even knew, thousands of them, laid down their life for you and me, for our freedoms, so that we could even be here today to worship freely. That has to be a special kind of love that one man or one woman would have for other people. You might do that for your family. You might feel that way. But, but how many outside of your family would you do that for? I had a childhood friend that I've known since the late 50s. We were best friends growing up. We were roommates in college. I was in his wedding. He was in mine. And I've seen Greg maybe five to seven times in the last 40 plus years. Yet I still consider him to be the second best friend that I have simply because of who he was and who he has been to me over those years. I, I have friends. I, I think we all do. But to have that, what, what should be a very small circle of the best, closest friends you have on this planet, I believe that those are few and far between. I mean, how many people do, would you know say, oh, this is my closest friend, and they do that 30 or 40 times? Maybe a salesman, I don't know. But for the most part, I mean, I don't know that many people that would have more than just a handful of, of really, really close friends by their own definition there. That's, that's the whole point. Now, the, I believe that those are, 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 again, few and far between. I have been married to what I would consider to be the best companion, friend, confidant, and ultimately hands down the best friend that I have on the face of this earth for just a hair over 50 years. Do I have other friends? Well, of course I do. I'm proud to say the elders of this church 
are some of the closest friends that, that I have. Because of, number one, because of who they represent. How they can talk with me and, and, and I can talk with them and we can disagree and still be good friends at the end of the day. Now I'm learning more and more about many of you all. And you're going up the friend ladder every time we meet. Several of you here have become friends that I can count on. I can be honest with and vice versa and not worry about losing their friendship. For you see, a true friend isn't going to go away because you all disagree on a topic or two. I even have Clemson friends. (laughs) Not many, but I've got them. Anyway, as for the rest of you all, I love you all as well. Please understand that you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, in my description of friends, I hope you've been able to take maybe a second and and inventory your list of friends and how they rank. What constitutes friendship in your book, though? What attributes would you give to a friend in your close circle? Would it be, as in my first description, as one willing to give your life for that particular person? Or is it more like when someone knows your name? Hey, that's enough for me. They're a friend because they know me. I read a story the other day about Jackie Robinson, uh, who was the first black Major League Baseball player. And as you can imagine, back then there were a lot of people who were none too happy about him being in the Major Leagues. They would let him know their displeasure every time that he was on the field. And what made it worse was that when he was at home, the jeers and all were just as bad as they were for away games. So one day Jackie Robinson made an error while he was in the home field in Brooklyn and while playing second base. The crowd, of course, went nuts. The jeering and the booing finally had gotten to him, and he just felt like he couldn't take it anymore. Shortstop Pee Wee Reese came over to him. He looked at the crowd, and he put his arm around Jackie Robinson. The crowd went dead silent. Later, Robinson said that that one show of friendship is what literally saved his entire baseball career. Maybe they weren't good friends before. But what Pee Wee Reese did that day was as close to giving up his life for his friends as one may ever do. For in that action, he stood with his friend and his teammate telling the world, if you cheer me, you will cheer Jackie Robinson as well. And you think to yourself... Maybe I'd like to have a friend like that. Or maybe you do have one like that. Who knows? Part of our reading this morning, chapter 18, says this, basically. You may have many friends in life, but they may do more harm than good. There's a friend out there that's going to be closer to you than a brother. That's a biological brother here. I would dare say a sister as well, okay? Okay. Now, how many professional athletes have you heard of that after having signed that big-time contract is bankrupt before they're 30 years old? And you may ask yourself, why? Even more, how? Many times these young people have never had anything but their God-given talent. 
So what do they want to do? They want to surround themselves with friends. Those friends usually are people who are more than willing to be their friend so long as the party keeps hopping and the money keeps flowing. And then when that money stops flowing, they move on to the next unsuspecting young star. These are people who don't care one iota about that young person. Merely their money. And there are a whole bunch of hangers-on like this. Solomon is saying to us, watch out for the hangers-on. For the ones who don't care about the person. Only the money or the possessions that these victims have at that particular time. Quite honestly, it's virtually impossible to trust anyone after a situation like that. So who do you trust? If that young person doesn't have age-old friends from before the check-cashing days, it has to be someone older, someone who has been through the financial wars but who survived them, and they had someone come alongside them who cared more about them and not the money so much as and to help them navigate through those difficult waters. That's going to be the one. Maybe if you're really fortunate Two true friends who come alongside you and you can trust them no matter what. You see, that's what Proverbs 18.24 I, I think is about. I think another possible passage from this is Proverbs 13 verse 20. It says that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the, uh, the companion of fools will suffer harm. Could be a friend, could be a family member. Or it could be Jesus when speaking of walking with the wise. So that covers everybody right there. That one single passage covers everybody that you might conceivably run up across. Either someone wanting something from you or someone wanting to give you something. Sometimes if there's a sibling involved, they can be as treacherous using you and your money as much as any of these new so-called friends that can be acquired at the drop of a hat. But let's look at Jesus just a minute. Look at the number of disciples that he had. Look at the number of people he healed, that he fed, that he ministered to while he was here in that three years of his ministry. And yet, how many did he allow into that inner circle of friends? Twelve. Twelve he had. Did they have their flaws? You betcha they did. One was even going to eventually betray him. And I wonder if Jesus kept an even closer eye on Judas because he knew. He knew what Judas was going to do. Just wondering on that one. To that end, how many went up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus? You remember? Three. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he loved those others less or that he loved those three more necessarily. Though John, the disciple who was known as the beloved disciple or the, the disciple that Jesus loved, had an even more revered role with Jesus. Look at Proverbs seventeen seventeen. That covers the, the, the relationship, I think, that John and Jesus had. Especially as Jesus is giving John his mother as he is dying on the cross. A brother or, or a friend in adversity. This is exactly what Jesus was in at that particular time. And he needed a friend. He saw John there. 
Now remember, all of the disciples scattered before Jesus was crucified. But remember as well who was there at the foot of the cross when Jesus was being crucified. The only one that's really mentioned is John. And you remember that adversity that he was going through. These are the friends who will never leave you. No matter what's going on in your life. Through the worst of adversity. Through the best of times. This is what John was to Jesus. They won't leave you in that time. But I ask you. Is Jesus one that you should hold on to? To be near and dear to you? Throughout your adversity? And through your good times? I think so. Yet Jesus loved every single one of those disciples. He he loved those that He fed, those that He healed, those that He ministered to. It can be done. You can have a number of friends, but always, even with Jesus, there were those who were closer. And then there was one who was the closest. I believe, at least anyway. You can love many people, but you can have the closest of friends. I'm going to stop right here and make one one other comment just a second. Y'all know I type my sermons out as you right here. And I do that every, every week, okay? I had the most absurdly difficult time typing the word friend. Every time I wrote it. And I even wrote it slowly one time and I still blew it. But I did it again on this last particular sentence where I used the word friend, okay? Maybe this is the Lord's way of making me not forget that there is another word that you can type that is very close to the word friend. It's one, though, that you really need to pay attention to. It is the word fiend. It is going to be the opposite of what a friend would be or should be. A fiend will use you for all you are worth, whether you have money or not. He wants what you have, period. Simple difference in spelling, major difference in types of people. Just had to get that one out. Because I kept, every time I do that, oh man. So finally it was like, you need to put this in here, okay? Now I can continue. Now we've covered kind of the, the definition of what a close friend is, what less than close friends may look like, what, a, what acquaintances can be, or maybe even a brother or one that was born for adversity as we see in our passages today. Let's look a little more closely at what the basics of friendship should be. I think we can say that a true friendship is based on giving and taking. It's two people walking life's pathways together, each being encouraged, each encouraging. Truthfully, for those of us who are married or going to be right soon, it sounds a lot like a marriage, or at least how it ought to be. Hint, hint. let's Let's look at the disciples in John 1, 43 through 51 for just a minute. Right off, Jesus spots Philip and says to him, follow me. Now, Philip has a friend named Nathaniel. Philip attempts to talk to Nathaniel about being a follower of Jesus. He tells Nathaniel, we have found the man that Moses talked about and that the prophets wrote about. Philip essentially, right then, 
offered Nathaniel, his friend, the very best thing that he had in his life. And that was Jesus. Hang on, you may see a pattern here. Nathaniel has hesitantly, uh, was hesitant, honestly, about Jesus until Jesus proved to him that he was who Philip thought he was. Look at Matthew, another one. Tax collector of all things. Tax collectors were seen as the lowliest forms of life back then. There were sinners and there were tax collectors. Even Jesus mentioned that a few times. And yet, not only does Jesus consider Matthew one of his closest circle of friends, tax collectors and other sinners came to hear and see Jesus. Don't you know Matthew had played a large role in bringing those people to Jesus? But you got to think, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall at some point or another and just heard a conversation between Jesus and Matthew. You know, I think that would have been interesting. Maybe it wouldn't have. Who knows? But anyway, look at, look at Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen. And yet, look at the definition of a friend. It is someone you share your life with them. You give and you take. They're straight shooters with you. They'd give their very lives for you in some instances. Or maybe we should say they mean well, at least, in that particular instance. But a true friend loves in all circumstances. Peter tells Jesus that he would die for him. And Jesus shoots right back. Hey, you're going to deny our friendship three times before the sun comes up in the morning. Can you imagine what that might have felt like? We always look at, at Peter and how he, he was just crushed by what Jesus said. But can you imagine how Jesus felt? You know, he was the one that was going to be betrayed. This was one of his close friends. And he has to tell Peter, you are going to deny me three times before the sun comes up in the morning. Now think about Jesus in this particular instance one time. Yet haven't we been there with Jesus at one time or another in our lives? Maybe more than once. Maybe a lot of times during the day. A lot of times during the week. We talk about forgiveness as we begin our worship each and every Sunday. But do you ever think how many times you have betrayed Jesus? Just like Peter did. I know I've done it way too many times. I believe part of friendship is based on our spiritual relationship with others. I've already told you my relationship with Brett, Kirk, Fred, and Stephen. I, I knew Kim before either of us were here when we lived in Florida. And the more I talk with all of you all and get to know you more and more, I can say that the family we have here is getting genuinely closer every time I see you all. But I know our friendships are developing as well. It goes beyond just being a congregate or us coming to worship together. It becomes more about living and sharing our lives together. That's, that's important. Why do I say that? Because in some of the worst times of my life, you all have been praying for me to get relief from the problem that I've had for nearly four months now. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And believe me, I pray for you all. I pray for our growth spiritually together, for good things to happen to you and your family. But you see, that, I think, 
is what friendship is supposed to be about. I thank God for every single last one of you all because you are in my life, and I appreciate that. My life would not be the same without every one of you in this room today being in it. We have a group of my high school friends that that meet once a month on a Zoom deal that I, I, I kind of do that for, for our folk, for our high school. Some of those folks have had a very trying time, uh, some that I haven't seen in a number of years. Uh, we just find out through through our sources one thing or another. Well, I, I, this is a, I've known a lot of people for a long time back. I graduated in 1969, so do the math from there. Anyway, some of our classmates have, have had some pretty things, pretty bad things happen to them physically. But I see texts now, and my Zoom buddies from my class are a large part of this, and they're praying for our friends. You know, up until a couple of years ago, I didn't hear from anybody, and now we're getting these things. We, we've got a network started, and we find out about folks who are having difficulties, or maybe even a teacher that one of us had. And, and, and we're able to share. We're, we're praying together for our friends. You see, even though many of us may not have seen each other in a long, long time, I consider every one of those folks that I went to high school 53 years ago with as friends because of the life that we shared so long, so long ago. We're now picking up again on those, on those friendships. And for that, I am extremely grateful. Our scripture reading this this week was very short. Basically three verses describing what friends should be in our lives. About how we should aspire to be better friends than perhaps we have been at times in our lives. Who our friends are and maybe who they really are. I wanted out of these two small or three small verses for us to simply expand our thinking as to what friends look like to us. And as to how Jesus is a friend to each one of us. Matthew eleven nineteen, He is called the friend of sinners. I know that fits me. But to truly have that close, trusting, personal, uh, friend-to-friend relationship with Jesus, you have to have Him in your life first. I- I've talked a lot about the people in my life because they are the friends that I know best. I hope this has made you kind of look at your roster of friends as well this morning. I believe the Proverbs passages 17, 17, 18, 24, and even 13, 20 all should point us to Jesus and our relationship with Him. It should help us understand that Jesus will be with us even when the best of friends fall away. He will give us wise counsel so we don't fall prey to folks and, and, and to fools even, as it's said. And He will love us even in our closest, even when our closest of, of kin turn away or try to take advantage of us. And believe me, all of us at some point or another can fall victim to these adversaries to the point where we just couldn't believe that they would ever do that to us. Know this, though. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. In closing, a guy decided to go to a counselor to help him figure out why he couldn't get a friend, much less keep one. The guy starts talking and the counselor failed to catch something that the man said. He asked, 
the, the man, would you kindly repeat that for me, please? The man said, I, for some reason, some reason, nobody seems to like me. Why don't you pay attention to what I'm saying to you, you fathead? <laughs> well, sometimes you don't need a counselor or a psychiatrist to understand why you can't make friends, you know? Sometimes it's pretty, pretty straightforward. You just can't call people names or, or anything derogatory because that's going to put anyone and everyone off. As the old saying goes, to make a friend, you got to be one. Hopefully these examples in my blabbering on today will help you to see how to make friends and to treasure the friends that you already have. But always be on the lookout for more friends to add to your quiver. But you know what? I think Jesus is doing the exact same thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this morning. Uh, for this study on friendship, we praise you, Lord, because it helps us to see that you are always our friend, how we are sometimes adversaries to you, and yet you never leave us. Thank you. Thank you for caring as you do for us. You, you gave us the groundwork. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay his life down for his friends. And Jesus finished that, but you are my friends if you do what I have commanded you to do. And you know, he did lay down his life for us. So we can't have a greater friend than that. Thank you again for this wonderful family that we have here at Hill City. And I just ask you blessings upon each one here. Some may be gone today. It's vacation time. We understand that. Keep them safe and get them back to us. But would you just bless us as a church family that we can grow together, not only in the spirit, wisdom, and knowledge of your word, but love for one another. Bless us to that end, we ask you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.